Alrighty, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for our time so far this morning. And now, Father, we ask you as we turn our attention to your word, Lord, that uh, you will help us to focus and, and we are absolutely dependent upon the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, to open our hearts and minds to understanding, uh, comprehending your word. And then, Father, you tell us in James not just to be hearers, uh, but to be doers to uh, bring obedient application into our lives. And Lord, then you tell us in Romans that uh, as our minds are renewed, that transformation happens. That literal metamorphosis happens from the inside out as we uh, take in your word and then uh, obey it and apply it to our lives. So, so Father, thank you for your scripture. Thank you that it is truth. And now we ask uh, that you would uh, lead us and guide us uh, through your word. And all God's people said, Amen. First Timothy chapter 3. Start in verse 14. Verses that we used last week in our series on loving the church. And over the last several weeks, really the last few months, we've been asking ourselves, why should we love the church? You're right? it's, it's on your to-do, you're here. But do you love the church? Do you love the church? Is it a big part of your heart? The church, right? And we saw it's the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the household of God, right? And last week, we looked at these verses to launch us off. Another biblical view of the church, 1 Timothy 3.14. The Apostle Paul, speaking to Timothy, says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great, right? So verse 15, it says the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth, right? And I, I explained to you the city of Ephesus where these Christians were. They had the temple of Diana. We showed a picture of that last week. 127 huge pillars, one of the seven wonders of the world. And the pillars of the temple of Diana were used to support, to uphold the roof, right? And so what Paul is saying here and what we started with last week is that the church... If you're a believer, you're a part of the church. The minute you put your faith in Christ, you are baptized, you are placed into the body of Christ, the universal church. The Apostle Paul is telling us, if you're a part of the church, you are a pillar. You're one of the pillars. So last Sunday, everyone, I had you do this. Everyone do this. Okay, if you're a, if you're a member of the church, you're a pillar, which means you're holding up something. Okay, put your hands down, right? The question is, what are you holding up? The truth, thank you, it's right there. We should be, we are called, one of the primary foundational purposes of the church is to uphold the truth. Now, that is understanding and speaking God's truth, but it also means in our lives, when you leave here for the rest of the week, your life is, should be a demonstration and manifestation of truth. We're called to walk in truth. If someone looks at your life, there should be a, a connection between biblical truth and how you're living your life because it's just a manifestation of God's truth being played out. Does that make sense? So we are called to be pillars, foundations of God's truth. Whether or not you understood it, you do, you're, you're without excuse now, if you're a believer, you, lock, you walk out of here and you were like this. And Mike, you go to work and, Mike, why are your hands up? Well, I learned yesterday that I'm a pillar of truth, so I just thought I'd show up to work like this. Because <laughs> you are. By your words and by your actions, whether or not you like it, 
24-7, you're walking around like this in Ojai. Look at me. I'm a pillar of truth. If you look at my life, there's consistency between it and Scripture. Not perfectly, but for the most part, I'm on, I'm on a journey. How many of you are on a journey? <laughs> right? Okay. But that's, that's foundational. You've got to see yourself. If you're part of the church, you, we are all called to be pillars and foundations of the truth. Right? So last Sunday, we began this journey. Well, okay, so what is truth? What is this thing called truth? Right? And we saw it's in your notes there. On one level, what they call the ontological level, the, the human level, the study of being, Truth is simply telling it like it is, right? That which corresponds to reality. Anyone ever tell a lie? Okay, that's a lie right there. If you don't, if your hand is not up, you just lied. So anyone ever tell a lie? Okay. Right? right. I love this one. A half truth is a whole lie, too. Well, I didn't tell a lie. I just didn't give it all up. You lied, right? So... What is truth? Telling it like it is. That which corresponds to reality. The base, that, right? That's the human thing, right? We saw, and it's in your notes there, that truth biblically, theologically, is connected to, cannot be separated from God's character. If you weren't here, you've got to re- you listen to the message, go back and read the scriptures. The Old Testament verses there, God is the God of truth. Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth. Right? And Johnny says, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth in john 17 17 jesus says sanctify them by your word your word is truth okay so as a christian theologically biblically if someone says hey what's truth you say you know what truth is really that which is consistent with who god is it's inseparable it's inseparable so here's the question in your life as you reflect on your life and as you reflect on the world around you Where do you go to for your source of truth to understand what what is reality? For your understanding of the way it is? Can someone just tell me the way it is? Can someone just tell me the truth? Can someone just explain to me reality? Where do you go? News? Some of you have favorite news channels, and that favorite news channel tells you the truth. With no spin. Right? Where do you go? <laughs> right, Cindy? Right? At least someone here is honest to confess. Right? <laughs> right? But if we're not careful, even as believers, we go to the news. The news is going to tell me what's true. What's fair and unbalanced. Unbal- All right? What's fair and balanced. Right? Right? We go to the news, whatever, media. We go to a friend. Hey, Bill, tell me what's up. What's up with this uh, revelation? I need you to tell me the truth. Where are you going as a Christian to pull way back and say, can someone just tell me what's up? Can someone just tell me what reality, what corresponds to reality? Can someone just not spin things? Can someone stop, you know, blowing smoke? Can you just, where, where we go to find what's what? Just to break it down to get to the bare bones truth. Where are you looking? Right? We saw last week that, that truth to us is inseparable from God and His Word. As a believer, you can't separate the two. In fact, we saw in Romans, when you try to separate the two, what does it result in? Elevation of the flesh. Pleasure-seeking, hedonism, debased minds, all of that stuff listed in Romans 6 happens when you suppress the truth and then you flip it for idolatry. 
Because here's the thing. If you separate God and His Word from truth, the source of truth, who becomes the source of truth? I replace it with me. Well, I think, and in my opinion, and if we're not careful, then we start telling God what He meant. And, and, and it's just, it's so deep and so profound. That's why we're just going to take baby steps with this because it touches the very core of, of your perception on the world, this idea of truth. Whether or not you're consciously aware of it, that's a very, that's a very strong question to ask yourself. Where do I go to get a true understanding of what's happening in, in the real world, in reality? Where are you going? Who are you listening to? Where are you looking? What's your source? And so we've seen that the pillar, the church is called to be the pillar and foundation of truth. It's inseparable from God's character and His Word, right? As believers, as believers, right? And then we started to, to look at, well, okay, we, we're going to settle those, and that may take some time, quite honestly, for you to settle some of those issues here. Some of you, I, I shared with you last, last Sunday, some of your struggles in obedience, some of our struggles in sanctification is because in some areas we readily accept God's truth. Jesus died for me. I believe that. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of, a lot of things in Scripture will say, that's true, that's true. And we adopt it, we believe it, and we begin to align ourselves. Other things that are kind of convicting, we may just be struggling with, is that true too? Is that true too? See, it's, it's, a, it's a truth war. It's a truth war. And so this, that's why this is important on a very practical level. What is truth? Where do you look for truth? What do you do once truth is presented? What do you do, right? And we began to look at not just understanding truth here in the church and as a believer, but what is happening? What is the definition of truth out there in the world? This postmodern relativistic world, right? What is their definition of truth? And remember, if you were here last Sunday, we showed the red balloon. Was the balloon red? Was it green? Was it purple, right? And it ended with, well, something is true whether or not you believe it, right? And we, we just kind of, it was an introduction to postmodernism. We're going to show another video here. And I like videos. Why do I like showing videos? Because we learn in different ways. And, and these videos kind of make, make very good points. Uh, this is a good video because it really helps us to understand how the world flips truth. How the world flips truth. So the very first part of the video, you're going to hear the world's view, and then you'll see what happens. Okay? So pay close attention. Kill all the lights, and we'll get that volume up. This is the truth. When we follow after God, life just doesn't make much sense. It's simply not true that we have hope for life beyond this life. That choices we make now matter for eternity. That abundant life is found in following Jesus. That we were created to live in relationship with God. But before anything, you must know that hard work and caring for yourself is the way to survive. Many people I know have this philosophy. Believing in God is a crutch for weak-minded people. I refuse to believe under any circumstances that we can truly discover our destinies if we follow after God. Whether you believe it or not, this is the truth. You should know that I believe exactly the opposite. This is the truth. Whether you believe it or not, if we follow after God, we can truly 
discover our destinies. I refuse to believe under any circumstances that believing in God is a crutch for weak-minded people. Many people I know have this philosophy that hard work and caring for yourself is the way to survive. But before anything, you must know that we were created to live in relationship with God, that abundant life is found in following Jesus, that choices we make now matter for eternity. We have hope for life beyond this life. It's simply not true that life just doesn't make much sense when we follow after God. This is the truth. <laughs> All right. Oh, we got a plug, right? Is that pretty cool? I've seen gazillion videos, and that one was like, oh, that's so awesome, right? I want a copy of that, yeah, okay. Right? Isn't it just isn't it just the world has this whole thing and in one little flip, if they'll just understand the source of truth, it all comes into making sense. Doesn't it? It just you're like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And that that's a reason for us to love the church. Because I'm gonna tell you, and I shared this yesterday at the annual meeting. When God called us to, to begin uh, a, an official work here, if you want to call it, as a church, one of the, the, the things that, that I had to settle was uh, where we stood on Scripture. And, and um, we have settled that issue at this church. We believe that God's Word is true. We believe it is inspired of God. It is the authority in our lives as believers. And uh, I shared that as a prayer request yesterday because I understand that's not popular even in the church. And, and yet uh, we have to be obedient and faithful and uh, speak and teach and, and love one another in truth and let God do what only He can do in transforming us. Amen? So, so that's where we stand on that. And it's the reason I love the truth. And, and if you love the truth, you continue to come here, that's what you're going to get. And it's not my truth and it's not Bill's truth, it's God's truth. Amen? That, that we're just going to do our best to be faithful to tell it like it is. We're going to do our, our best to be faithful to what God's Word says. This is all we have, guys. This is all I have. Okay? And, and, and I carry the weight of, of, of you know, in 2 Timothy it says, uh, rightly teach it, rightly divide it. Yeah, that's a pretty big weight. It's a pretty big weight to, to, to do my best to, to be faithful and true to what God says uh, in His Word. And so we're, we're looking at this idea of truth. The, the church is to be the pillar and foundation of truth. And I did this illustration last Sunday and, and, and resonated with many of you, right? I asked you, right, some of you, there's, there's a certain quantity of blocks in this jar, right? Ernie, can you hold that for me? Ernie says 53. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Another guess? 57. 60, right? The correct answer was, anyone remember? 55. 55. There are 55. That's the right answer. There's 55, right? And then I went around and I did this with the Starburst. Daryl, pick a color. Daryl's gone with the red. You know the dangers of having this in your office? It, it was like here last Sunday. I'm like, man, where'd they all go? Okay, what'd you get? What, what color did you get, Daryl? Red. What'd you get? Yellow. Brenda, I think you got one last, but you can have another one too. Another red. Wes, grab one. Veronica is just volunteering for, for what would you get, Wes? Yellow and pink. All right, hold up the colors. Hold up your colors real quick. 
All right, which one of those is right? Same answer as last time. You've been consistent. Right? That's the wrong question. You can't ask which one of those is right because it's an issue of taste and preference. See? There's the right answer. 55. This is a matter of taste and preference. Choice, right? Unless you're a thief, Ernie. Right? The world, the world wants to tell you that religion is taste and preference. Islam, Judaism, Christianity, it's just preference. It's just preference. There's no right. Biblically, this is where we stand. There is right. There is a right. And I shared with you last Sunday, it goes back to the historical nature of our faith. Paul says, hey, you know what? If the, if the resurrection didn't happen, we're, just go home. Go watch football. Right? Our faith is rooted in actual fact. That's what I love about Christianity. Right? And, and we're going to see. We're going to take, take some time on this, guys, because we're going to look into this postmodernism. And then we're going to look into, we're going to do a little bit down the road about comparison to, to different religions and things like that. Because here's the thing. You're going to go out there and the world, especially in Ojai, they're going to tell you, oh, it's, it's just a matter of taste and preference. Right? Here's the thing. If you really study world religions and cults, right, if you really were to study it, let me share this quote with you. It says this, all religions are not the same. All religions do not point to God. All religions do not say that all religions are the same. At the heart of every religion is an uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who God is or is not and accordingly of defining life's purpose. Anyone who claims that all religions are the same betrays not only an ignorance of all religions, but a caricatured view of even the best known ones. Every religion at its core is exclusive. And if you, if you want an example of that, just go and survey the different religions and ask them who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? You see, some will say Jesus was just a good moral teacher. Some will say Jesus was a prophet. Some will say Jesus is God, the Messiah. If you examine those truth claims regarding Jesus, here's the deal. They can't all be right. They can't all be right. They're mutually exclusive. if, if, If you look out into the world... Today, what's happening in the Middle East, there's some people back there that aren't going to be just really nice with us believing who Jesus is. He either is God, he either is Messiah, or he isn't. Those two can't sit next to each other and be okay. Do you guys understand that? Okay, in your notes there, we're going to look at this. In your notes there, it says for us, if you flip it on the back page, in our biblical worldview... Truth is objective, rational, logical, right? God is a God of order. Second Timothy 2.15 says, you know, you can study yourself to show yourself approved, correctly, rightly teaching it, dividing the word of truth. So the church, we're not the source of truth. We're the steward of God's truth. We believe that God is out there. He's objective. He's outside of us. He reveals his truth through his Holy Spirit. We're a steward of it. We're not the creator of truth. We're a steward of it. We're not the source. You've got to get that down. There is a law, and this is very important. There is a law called the law of non-contradiction. 
basic to, to just a, a, a rational understanding of reality. You have to understand this. Hang with me because I don't want to get all logical. But you have to understand this because this ties into your faith. There is a law of logic called the law of non-contradiction. Okay? Two opposing, two contradictory claims cannot both be true. Okay? Here's, here's what I mean by that. Let's say A is Daryl is sitting in church. Anyone have a problem with that? Okay. Not A, or the opposing view, contradictory view, is Daryl is at home right now. Can those two truth claims sit next to each other equally valid? Right. They contradict. Right. So Daryl being here and Daryl not being here cannot sit next to each other equally. They're contradictory. Does anyone understand that? Right? That's the law of non-contradiction. Two contradictory statements cannot, cannot exist equally valid at the same time. Now, we kind of understand that. Does anyone, right? Daryl, he's either one or the other. He can't, both can't be equally right. Now, if that's, taken for granted for you with that Daryl understand that's what they're saying about religions they want to say that Jesus is God and Jesus is not God and just let us sit right next to each other and both say you're both right that's what's happening in the world that's what's happening in this idea of, of let's just all get along and it's all taste and preference they want to say that Daryl is here and not here and it's okay do you understand? So they want to say Jesus is God and Jesus is not God, and that's okay. Those are contradictory statements. They cannot, according to the law of non-contradiction that all of us operate in, those two opposing truths, statements, cannot equally be valid. Does that make sense? Okay. So you've got to get that down, and we're going to come back to it. Okay. We're going to come back to it. And then it says here, and then we went over this, the historicity of Christianity 1 Corinthians 15, we won't look at it. This is where Paul says, hey, you know what? If the resurrection didn't happen, might as well just go watch football. You're still in your sin. So, in a biblical worldview, you've got to get those three foundations down. We're not the source of it. We're the steward of truth. God's law, God's truth is logical. Two opposing contradictory statements right there, right? Two contradictory claims cannot both be true. A and not A are not equal. Okay? Christianity is based on historical truth, historical fact, right? Look at this right here. I love that quote. The Christian faith is not true because it works. It works because it is true. It is not true because we experience it. We experience it deeply and gloriously because it is true. It is not simply true for us. It is true for any who seek in order to find. Because the truth is true even if nobody believes it. And falsehood is false even if everybody believes it. Okay. What does that mean? Okay, I want you to do this really fast. I want you to believe as hard as you can, just, just for like five seconds. Believe, 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 believe that it's snowing outside. Ready, set, go. Believe it. Keep believing. Keep believing. No. Did your believing change the truth? How about rain? Okay, ready? <laughs> 
Okay? Now, we're going to flip it. I want you for five seconds to believe really hard that it's not sunny. Okay? It's, I say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't. Ready, set, go. Go ahead. Didn't change it either. But see, that's what the world wants to say. I believe it, therefore it's true. I don't believe it, therefore it's not true. Do you see it? That's what the world says. That's the culture we live in. They have elevated taste and preference and opinion and my belief or disbelief above truth. That's why we're not on the popular list. That's why we make waves. Because we come in and say, okay, I get your opinion, I get your belief and all this, but it doesn't change this. See, that's what's happening. That's the world we live in. We believe God is truth, Jesus is truth, the Holy Spirit is truth, we believe His Word is truth, it's subjected to us, He sends it to us, He reveals it to us, and we bring that truth into our life. The world right now is saying, no, 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 no. Humans have now evolved to where we're the source of truth. And we create truth in how we interpret the world. And my taste and my preference and my opinion and my beliefs are what generate truth. And so we're no longer able to say you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong because we're just all generating our own truth. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's the clash of worldviews. That's the truth war that you, when you leave here, you go out into your workplaces and your neighborhoods and your relatives and all that, and sometimes you, 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 you don't know what's wrong. How could they just don't get it? Anyone ever have that? You try to share God's word and you go, why don't they just get it? Anyone? It might be because their definition of truth isn't the same as yours. And then they'll politely say to you, Daryl, you believe the Bible is the Word of God? I hope you say yes. Yes. <laughs> Daryl, you believe Jesus, the Savior and Lord, died for your sins? Yes. So they may, not, they may not get in a full-on debate with you, but what they'll say to you? Well, that's good for you. That's good for you. I'm glad you found your truth. And that's how they politely dismiss us. It's an issue of truth. It's an issue of truth. And that, that's what we're looking at, right? And, and turn to Acts 17. We're going to just read the story, and then we're going to start next week. We're going to look at this story. Acts 17. How many of you have ever heard of a city called Athens? Athens, right? The Apostle Paul in Acts 17 went to Athens. And when Paul got to Athens... It was about 400 years past its big heyday. In its heyday, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, right? About 400 years later, Paul shows up, the Apostle Paul, on his second missionary journey. Athens is still kind of a cultural, philosophical, religious hub, okay? Population, some people say, was about 10,000. Kind of sounds familiar, right? All these philosophical, religious views are just accepted. Kind of sound familiar, Right? You walk out these doors, you're living in Athens. We live in Athens. Got 10,000 people, all religions, all philosophies. Hey, come on in. Come on in. And I love the story that we're going to just read and look at briefly, and then we'll pick up next week, because the Apostle Paul, of all people, comes into the Ojai Valley, 
and goes to Libby Park to hang out with the Libby Parkers and just engage them in truth. And the question for us is if you went to Libby Park and in between the drumming, ask people about truth and they ask you to share where you're at, what would you say? What would you say in Ojai Valley about what you believe is truth? And that's what the Apostle Paul, he comes into this hotbed. These are, in, these are sharp people. This is what they do all day, every day, is just talk about philosophy and truth and what, you know, what they believe and don't believe, right? So let's look at this. Acts 17, starting in verse 14, uh, 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols, Right? Some person, one person said the population was, had dwindled to about 10,000, but there was 30,000 idols. They said that you were most likely to meet an idol versus a person in Athens. Just filled with idols, right? So he reasoned in the synagogue, right? So he would go to the synagogue with, and reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks out of the Old Testament. Just say, hey, this is who Jesus is in the Old Testament. As well as in the marketplace, right? Marketplace. Libby Park. Farmer's Market. Cafe Emporium, wherever, wherever, wherever people meet in the Ojai Valley just to talk about life and your opinions, right? That's, what he, that's where he went, right? It says, a, uh, day by day with those who happened to be there, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him, right? Epicureans, their mantra, enjoy life. Maximize pleasure. Minimize pain. They didn't really believe that God was involved in anything. It was about materialism, hedonism. Sound familiar? It's all about self, pleasure. That's, that's what they were into. That's what the Epicureans were into. Just maximize pleasure, minimize pain. God's not involved. Let's just enjoy life. That's the Epicureans. The Stoics, right? It says there they were Epicureans. Stoic. They believe in pantheism. Everything is God. And so what you've got to do is you've got to, this, 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 this sort of new age. They were the new agers. And everything is God. And you have to be disciplined, and you have to study, and you have to use rational and logic. So they were very prideful, very self-sufficient. Sound like Ojai? You got the Epicureans, and you got the Stoics. And into that group comes the Apostle Paul in the marketplace, and he starts chatting with them. Right? He says, "What is this?" Some of them ask, "What is this babbler trying to say?" Babbler. You know what that was? They were disrespecting him. A babbler, and the word picture of that is a, word, is a bird that goes around picking up seeds. They were calling him just like a bird. Like, what's this guy chirping about? It was disrespect. That word babbler is very disrespectful. They were disrespecting him, right? They were making fun of him. What is this babbler trying to say? Others remark he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, which is like kind of like the Supreme Court, the council in Athens, right? Where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenian, uh, Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. All they do, they just hang out at Libby Park, Carol's Cafe Emporium, and all they do is just talk. Hey, you hear the latest? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what have you heard? All they wanted to do was just, what's the latest? What's the latest? What do you think? What do you think? What's your opinion? What do you? It, it, they, that's all they did. We just da 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 da, right? And this is where Paul comes in. Verse 
And we're going to stop there because we're going to ignore this. As Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. See, sometimes we get so riled up, oh, I can't go share my faith. What if they ask me this? And what if they ask me this? And what if they ask We have to be equipped. But I love this because into Athens comes the Apostle Paul and he goes, hey, guys, let me just tell you about Jesus and the resurrection. And you know what? It's the same message for us. When we go out into our community with all the diversity and all the postmodernistic and relativistic views in the Ojai Valley, what should be our message? The same as Paul's. Jesus and the resurrection. Isn't that awesome? You share the good news about Jesus. You share the good news of how he transformed your life. You share the good news about the truth of the resurrection. And then you let them grapple with that. And we're going to talk about this more next week. And we're going to start sliding into, okay, if, if we understand truth theologically, how do we begin to engage our community? And we start with, I encourage you, read the story. We're going to look at it again next week. What did the Apostle Paul do going to Athens of all people? You would have thought he'd get into these huge theological debates, the rapture, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No, he said, you know what? No, Jesus and the resurrection. That, that was, it, he just said, that, 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 that's who I am. That, that's my truth. That, that's truth. Jesus is truth. The resurrection really happened. Isn't that freeing? We're called to study the Word. We're called to not be ignorant. Yes. But when we go into our community, let's just be like the Apostle Paul. Let's just share Jesus and the truth of the resurrection. Amen? And here's the thing, guys, just to let you off the hook. They didn't all agree with him either. Some did. We're going to see that next week. Some had good response to him. Others said, ah, dude, you're crazy. Some people are going to think you're crazy. Amen? And then some people, believe it or not, you're going to share the truth of Jesus and the resurrection and they're going to go, really? I never knew that. Really? That's true? And you go, yeah. And then they're going to say, what did Jesus do in your life? And you're going to have this wonderful conversation about what Jesus is doing in your life and how he transforms you. And then lo and behold, because you simply shared the truth from a Christian biblical perspective, salvation comes. They might get plugged in here or another good church. And God used you to speak truth to somebody that needed to hear. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for our time this morning. I thank you that your word is truth, that you are truth. I thank you it's not contradictory. I thank you that it's based in historical facts the resurrection. I thank you for the example of, pa- of the Apostle Paul who went into Athens, very similar to Ojai, and simply shared the truth of Jesus and the resurrection. Shared the truth of who you are, God. And so, Father, as we prepare for communion, I think about this quote. It says, We don't believe the truth of Christianity because it works. That would be plain old pragmatism. Because it feels right, that would be subjectivism. Or because it's only true for me, that would be relativism. Rather, we believe that Christianity is true because it's based on the person and work of Christ. And it really is. And every week we gather as a church family and we have the privilege to remember Christ in communion. And so Jesus, this Lord's Day, 
we reaffirm our belief that you are truth. We reaffirm our conviction you are Savior and Lord. We reaffirm our conviction in the truth of Scripture that says we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And so in obedience, we we take communion in remembrance of you, Jesus, who is truth. And perhaps in this time of reflection, we would also need to just be honest with ourselves about where we have been looking for our source of truth. And Father, we ask your forgiveness if we have been looking to the media, to man, to anywhere else other than you and your word for truth. As believers, Lord, we want to walk in truth. We want our lives and our words to be consistent with Scripture. So Lord, uh, use this time now of, of communion, the time of reflection, the time of remembrance, and the time, Lord, to, to hear from you regarding your truth in our lives. In Jesus' name.